This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time, and it is presented by BetOnline.ag. You guys know the deal. Promo code podcast one for the 50 percent welcome bonus so fired up for today's guest i love any guy that ever comes on from pro football focus pff for short and i've been following this guy for years and seeing his career evolve his name is mike renner going to join us momentarily Uh, i will mention this by the way for those of you who listen to Fantasy Feast, we've got a good guest tomorrow, Marcus Grant from the NFL from NFL.com, and we are giving away our first two Fantasy Feast season long entries tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, giving away seven or two of our Fantasy Feast League entries tomorrow. So got to you got to be creative. Any of the different sponsors I mean, people are already being really creative. It's it's impressive. I got a package of Daddy Sodas from somebody, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. But, hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Anyway, whatever it takes to have a great college draft for you guys. It's almost here, by the way. It's July. Let's do it with Mike Renner from PFF. Well, we got the perfect guest this week and next week. As we're going to do another two-parter, and that's what you do when you get an absolute stud, which is what we have today in Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Does an unbelievable job. And I could have sworn Mike had actually come on the show before, but that tells you how much I know. Uh, Mike is the head of the draft analysis for PFF. In fact, he's the lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the College Draft. Really appreciate it. Happy to, ha- happy to be on. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, so let's, let's just start, Mike, as I always do with a new guest because I think it's important with just kind of your background and how you got to be where you are now with PFF. It's a kind of a weird story. A lot of guys at PFF have interesting stories about how they got there, but I was... Uh, an accounting major back, uh, this was, gosh, when I was graduating college back in 2012. And I knew my senior year that I did not want to do accounting. I really hated accounting by the end of it uh, at Notre Dame. And I was also uh, doing you know, stats work on the side for a stats professor there doing an independent research project about uh, football. And I had always loved football growing up. Obviously, it was uh, Packers. I grew up in Milwaukee, uh, was a Packers shareholder, had Packers season ticket holder. And so I uh, always loved the game and 
I saw I was on Pro Football Focus one time, on the website one time, and saw that they were hiring analysts. Is all the position said, and I was like, "Hell, why don't I give that a shot? It's better than uh, you know. Can't be. They, all they can say is no, and it can't be worse than accounting." And I did that. There was like a two month long kind of interview process where it wasn't really even an interview process. It was just how accurately can you collect data and uh, do you know how to work with data and by the end of it, apparently I was accurate enough and knew, knew enough about it. So they hired me part-time that first season, then I was full-time the next season from there on out. So got very lucky to be where I am here today. Hired you to do what? And that first season was literally, I would watch and collect where every player was uh, on the field uh, on every single play of the NFL games. So we call it player participation. It's very tedious and thank god i don't do it anymore uh i was losing my sanity by the end of that year but it was yeah so there's a code for every position on the field where a guy could feasibly lined up had to memorize all that code and put it in accurately over the course of a game uh so that's what i did and i also would break down our statistical database and write articles off of that uh that first season and that was all i that was really all i did so it was pretty not super exciting but it was again a big step up from accounting and what do you guys all do this from home, Mike? Yeah, that was that was from home back then, uh, 2012. I, so I didn't even meet for the first three years. I hadn't met a single other person in real life that worked at Pro Football Focus until 2015, I think it was, the first time I ever met anyone. And it was actually it was just odd. I was in Chicago walking down the street, and I passed someone. That was the first time I ever met anyone. Hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You work for a company for three years and never met a single other person that worked for the company? Correct. It was, it was odd telling my parents. They thought I was like, uh, they were like, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> or like, when are you like actually going to start doing something? They were like on my back. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's a real job. I think they actually exist. I've talked to them over the phone, but never in real life. Wow, that is crazy. That's wild, man. Really wild. All right, so then how did you kind of move into the role you're in now? So I'm actually after about five months after I first ever met anyone at PFF, I had agree I agreed to move to Cincinnati uh, when they opened up offices. So in Chris Collinsworth, that was about six months, about the same time that Chris Collinsworth had purchased the company. He uh, wanted to get sort of a headquarters of people and I was one of the few who was uh, sort of single enough and free enough to just move on a whim to Cincinnati. And so I was one of the first people that from the company that ever moved uh, to our headquarters here and uh, did a lot of stuff. Anything we did in the office in terms of podcasts, videos, that sort of stuff I would start doing. Uh, and I was part of after that first uh, year or so, I was part of the I got trained uh, to be part of the analysis team to actually do the grading of the players. Uh, and then I've been doing that ever since. And to get into the actual draft role, I kind of just, it was something that I was passionate about. And I feel like when you're passionate about something, uh, and you, you know, show that passion in the company that you kind of get rewarded for it if you're willing to work hard enough for it. And that was something that I always in the springtime would sort of come to life and want to do as much as I could on the draft side. And, 
some people wanted to do more NFL focus. I was, I always had loved the draft. It was always around my birthday growing up. I was, my birthday's in late April and I'd always get the draft guides for my birthday. Uh, and I loved just that sort of, uh, the unknown of it. And so uh, I asked earlier, uh, uh I told, uh, Neil, the C or the CEO of the company that that was what I wanted to do. I asked him if I could do that earlier this year. And he said, yes, so I got lucky enough to be in this role now. So who trained you to be able to evaluate players and how long is that process? Uh, it was about eight months and that was, uh, I was trained, uh, by a number of guys. So it was the, the anal- analysis team, uh, back then, uh, had, um, Ben Stockwell on it, uh, who was this, who was actually the director of analysis for us. And a big help for me was a guy named Bobby Slowick, who is the, I think he's the quarterback coach now for the 49ers, was the defensive quality control coach there. Uh, but I think he changed positions this year. Uh, he was a big help to me in terms of seeing more uh, of the game uh, in terms of, you know, assignments, you know, learning guys assignments on the play and play out because, uh, I think that's how you, you have to, even in draft evaluations, you can't simply go based on measurable size, speed, uh, athleticism. You have to, you have to understand what they're trying to do on every play. If it looks like a guy bit on a double move, but he was, you know, supposed to be guarding the flat and in, in cover two, well, he didn't bite on a double move. That's not, you know, that's not on him. So you have to understand assignments, I think, to properly evaluate these draft prospects. And that was a big thing he brought to the table for me. How often are you not able to uh, understand or figure out what their assignment is? I think it it does happen. Um, I don't want to say – I don't think it's an every play sort of thing where there's a guy you can't understand assignment, but I do think there's probably five to ten instances over the course of a game where you can just kind of say, I'm not sure exactly what he was supposed to do. And a lot of times, uh, especially within offenses, I think it's the difficult one where you have these option routes of what guys are supposed to be reading and what routes are supposed to be running and how they're supposed to stem the post, that sort of thing. Uh, those are, I think those are where it gets hairy, where we have a lot of the trouble. But I think in terms of coverages, D-line responsibilities, and you know, gap fits, that sort of thing, you can figure out that uh, if you just know a good deal about football and watch about a lot of football like we do. So uh, tell me about the pro football focus evaluation process and how it differs from maybe the other draft gurus, draft analysts that are out there in particular. There's a lot of them out there now, um, different sites. Obviously, we know the guys that are on television <laughs> for ESPN and uh, for NFL Network. But how would you say that pro football focuses evaluation process is different if it is different in your mind i think the biggest difference and where we are unique is we focus on production so and that's not to say that we're solely going based on this overall grade and we're saying the guys you know using that rankings and projecting it directly to the nfl we're saying you have to be productive in however you define production. And that's the thing is what we're sort of working on with our behind the scenes with our uh, analytics team is defining what what production translates best from college to pro. And it's not necessarily so a guy that 
I'll use it as an example, uh, is DK Metcalf. We, in the general public, would say, oh, he's not productive. But I, and in our metrics in terms of where he was productive down the field, uh, you know, vertical route tree, still had a good yards per round, still had some production numbers that were high. And so we're still going to be high on him, even though his raw total of production that a lot of other people define production as wasn't necessarily high. So I think the biggest thing for us is you have to be productive in a way that we think is going to translate to the NFL. Uh, in, term, the, in terms of the PFF grading system, you should be productive in a way that we think is going to translate to the NFL. And so that is just going to be different, whereas some guys are just going to look at traits, athleticism, uh, you know, what they're capable of, their potential. But a lot of our thing is we think you should have, after three years of you know, high-level coaching in college football, four years of high-level coaching in college football, et cetera, you should have shown it at some point on a football field that you're capable of production that will translate to the NFL. If you haven't shown it yet, we're just not going to be high on you. We're not saying it's impossible. We've had misses over the years in guys who have not been productive in our system. Uh, Daniil Hunter comes to mind as one who just was not productive at LSU in our grading system, no matter how we sliced it, still went on to have success in the NFL. But we're comfortable saying we're going to pass on those outliers that we think are outliers and just focus on the guys who meet the you know production thresholds. So that's really interesting on a bunch of different levels. So you guys don't take into account measurables or projectable traits at all? Okay, so that, that I guess I kind of sort of glossed over that. It's it's a multiple faceted process, but we're just I'm saying that if you don't have the production, we're not going to be high on you. Don't care how high the measurables are. So Rashawn Gary being an example of that, off the charts measurables never had the production. And especially when you don't have the production at a school like Michigan where you're getting the best coaching you can possibly get in the country. If you haven't the light hasn't light switch hasn't flipped on for you yet. Uh, who's going to get it out of you at the NFL level that couldn't at Michigan. So that to me is what uh, is the biggest driver. But at the same time, when you're looking at guys who have, who are productive, that's when, you know, multiple guys who are productive, that's when we're going to say, Hey, this guy has the athletic traits that also will probably translate better to the NFL as opposed to this guy's productive, but is running a, you know, four, nine 40 at the linebacker position. That's just, you're not going to be able to work with that at the NFL level. Got it. Okay. So how do you marry the two? That's been the difficult thing. And that's the thing we're trying to do more of behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of our, uh, we, I don't want to say the role, why I got this role is because we treated the draft as an afterthought in the past. I don't think it was a complete afterthought, but we didn't have anyone focusing on how to improve, you know, quality control process of getting better evaluations as we move forward. Uh, and so I think that's my goal over the course of this offseason. We have a number of things we're trying to do to sort of uh, to marry to get that marriage to uh, sort of take uh, just pure opinion out of it as much as humanly possible. We're trying to quantify. Uh, we're doing something this offseason, sort of uh, exercise this offseason, where we're quantifying the traits of different draft prospects. So. Uh, putting their you know, burst on a scale of 1 to 10, putting their change of direction ability on a scale of 1 to 10, and just having that multiple guys give their opinion on that and seeing if you know, over the course of you know, five different seasons of, of evaluating those traits, putting a number to those traits, seeing if some of those lead to success at certain positions and don't lead to success at other positions, 
Uh, we have the analytics team working with you know those numbers and working with combine numbers as well to see uh, which numbers matter at which positions uh, in terms of you know projecting our college grades to pro grades. So there's a big uh, push in that regard because I think uh, everyone's looking for a way to win and from college to the NFL. There's no a, a lot of guys you can a lot of people can watch pro football watch a full season's worth of snaps of a guy and tell you how good someone is a lot. Of, it's difficult. And even the best people in you know, the best people who watch football all day long, the most brilliant football minds still struggle to watch a full season or full career's worth of college snaps of a guy and tell you how good they're going to be in the pro. So that's one place where I think we're really trying to uh, evolve and get just, just you sort of get a better hit rate because a lot of people still struggle at that. What do you think is the biggest reason for that, Mike? Like what you said, you can watch an NFL, you can watch a guy in the NFL, and after a season, you know about what he is. But then in college, you can watch a guy, and there's a lot of different opinions, and people think this, and we see it every year. A lot of people end up being wrong um, on a lot of different guys. It's difficult. It's difficult to pin it down to one reason. I, I think there are a number of different reasons. Uh, one of the biggest things that we pretty much don't take into account that I think does still matter a lot is uh, work ethic off field. You have to be able to uh, say you have to be able to improve and be willing to improve and be willing to put in the work to improve. There are still n very few guys who come out uh, as, you know, college juniors, college seniors who are ready to hit the NFL field day one and don't have to put in a minute more of work and can you know, hold their own on a football field with grown men. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I think a lot of people struggle to evaluate how hard is someone going to work. Uh, and then I just think that the game changes so fast that scouting method, any scouting method for certain positions that was true even 15 years ago probably still isn't true today for a lot of different positions in the NFL. You know, even looking at defensive linemen, uh, what is what matters now today in the NFL compared to what mattered then? Linebackers, cornerbacks, a lot of different positions just evolve so quickly that uh, I don't think scouting methods necessarily have evolved at that same pace. You know, it's interesting when you think about, you know, measurables and the different height, weight, projectable traits, and then also is, th there's no – there's no foolproof right answer, right? I mean, there are guys that are crazy productive but don't have great traits that don't make it. Some do. There are guys that have awesome projectable traits and measurables that end up being really good players and others that don't. So I, I feel like, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I feel like there's never going to be necessarily the answer or a answer but it sounds like what you guys are doing is at least doing everything possible to get to the best answer, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the R basically one of the biggest uh, sort of mottos we've had uh, over uh, that we've sort of come to is we're, we're not going to hit 100 percent. It's you want to limit mistakes. You, you want to limit uh, mistakes as much as humanly possible. If that means you know, pushing a guy down who eventually ends up being very good, like a Deion Jones that we missed on. So be it. He just did not grade out well. We didn't, you know, he didn't meet the thresholds we like at certain positions. But at the same time, that same process weeded out a guy like Darren Lee, 
who very similar in that regard to Deion Jones of super athletic uh, linebacker, made some crazy high-level plays on tape at Ohio State, but then he gets to the next level and the light switch never just really turned on. It never really came to him there with the Jets, obviously now traded to Kansas City. So one was a bust, one hit. We would have been low on both and probably not taken either. Uh, and so we're just trying to sort of limit that miss rate and sort and say it's it's better to draft a good player. It's better to miss. It's better to gosh, my words are getting mixed up here. It's better to <laughs> be low on a guy who ends up being good than to be high on a guy who ends up being bad. It's kind of the biggest thing here is that we're going to try to limit the misses as much as possible. Uh, and if it means a minor hit, so be it. Yeah, it is interesting, Mike, because I would just tell you from my personal experience, you know, playing, that I do think the mental makeup of a player is very, very important. And I think that you can try to decipher that as much as possible based on college production, right? Because the things that make a guy successful in college – you know, a lot of those should translate to the NFL. How much preparation does he do during the week? You know, does he have a good feel for schemes? You know, I always tell the story, the best guy I ever played against was Ray Lewis. And I would say, Mike, at any guy I ever played against, he called out what we were doing before the snap more than any other player. I don't think people think that Damn. when they think Ray Lewis. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think they think that he put in that much work during the week to have such a good feel where it felt like he knew based on our formation and motion, you know, that there was really two options. Then he's keying the one guy that's getting him the read on which one of those two things we're doing. And he was there. I mean, he was just there. Plus his technique was so good when I went up to block him that it's like you could just see he must have put in so much time working on taking on blockers and shedding them. I mean, it was mm-hmm. really, really impressive. And you you just don't know. I mean, you're not really talking to any of these guys. So you're trying to decipher how much you – know, you're trying to decipher based on stuff you can see uh, as much as you can. But I also guess I would say I understand why the teams spend so much time trying to figure out who these guys are, how much they truly love the sport, uh, and I guess as much as anything, how they will be affected You know, once they're kind of set for life or once they've accomplished their goal of making the NFL or having a couple million bucks in their bank account or whatever the case may be. Because that's, that's really hard to decipher, and I do think my experience, it does – does make a difference, you know, when, when guys actually end up playing in pro football. Oh, I 100% agree. And I think, like I said, it goes back to my point of not a lot of guys are uh, – There's you can count the amount of guys on one hand who are ready to play on an NFL field, uh, you know, from their last snap of college. I, I actually want to go back to how you started that. I thought it was really insightful what you said in terms of a lot of the psychological aspects that go into making a good NFL player, go into, you know – finding the guys who are driven to be the best they can be at the NFL level. 
will show up in college production. It'll be the guys who are you know putting in the work then. It's not like all of a sudden someone's going to put in more work once they have a million dollars in their bank account. They've they're going to put in the work in college, if anything, uh, to get that million dollars in their bank accounts. Uh, so I, I think that is a big uh, part of you know a lot of a lot of the psychological evaluation can be. I don't want to say 100% boil down to, but I think it does. It will show up in the production. If a guy is a productive college player, chances are it's because he's putting in the work uh, necessary and will continue to do that. So do you feel like watching college football is more interesting, Mike, than NFL in the sense of the variance in talent? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing – Now, I guess you'd have to tell me your process because PFF grades – Every Division One football player on every play, right? Yes, we okay, do. So, so that's, do, yeah, when, that's where the when, grades when, come from, yeah. Okay, so when you do what you do, though, you are really just looking at the top guys. Because uh, I, I would imagine that it's interesting, like the people that just do the grading of every player on every play, it must be interesting for there to be um, – to watch tape like that and, and to see – a much wider variance in terms of what guys can do and, and how good they are. Yeah. So when I get to them, I'm not, I'm just focusing on a guy. I, I'm not doing the grading. I'm not, you know, doing this holistic view of matchups and that sort of thing. One of the biggest tools that we have, one of the biggest advancements we've uh, made over the past handful of years in our college evaluations is actually via, via our IT team in this tool called uh, that we've created called Ultimate, where it's basically a cut-ups generator of, that takes all the data that we have at our fingertips in the database uh, and lets us generate cut-ups. So if I want to watch, say, Jared Pinckney's, all his targets that came 15-plus down, yards downfield, I click two buttons, and all of a sudden I have a playlist of all his tar- that I'm watching all his targets 15-plus yards downfield. If I want to watch... Uh, you know, all his targets where he was guarded by a safety, I can get that. If I want to watch all the times he was blocking in line, I can, you know, two more clicks and I get that. And so it really, the evaluation process gets much fast, has gotten so much faster for us. And I can boil down to the what I really want to know about a player in a short amount of time. Uh, and then you also get the grades uh, on top of that in terms of do I want to see all the plays where he earned a minus one grade, which would be a bad play for him, or the plus one grade, one of his best plays. I can do that all at a click of a button. So that's that's where I'm at in the evaluation process. I'm not going through play by play. and But I, I will a lot of times go back through and watch a full game, two full games, just to see uh, you know a down-in, down-out feel for him. But I don't have to just sit and watch six games of a guy to get a full feel. I can go get that uh get a handle on a player within 15 to 20 minutes that is very very cool and yeah i I think everybody enjoys watching cut-ups like this well you mentioned jared pinkney he is one of the guys we're going to talk about next week when we actually dive into the 2020 draft really for the first time uh on the college draft podcast now that we're in july we're going to start to really Look forward to the 2019 college football season, the 2020 draft, and start just kind of with an overview of the group as well as talk about some specific guys next week. Already looking forward to it, Mike. Thanks so much for joining me this week on the college draft and giving us a good sense of exactly 
you know, what the process is so that people will have a better understanding of why you feel the way you feel about specific guys next week. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it, Ross. That was awesome. Tell you what else is awesome, NBA free agency. Pretty fun to watch and pretty fun to now see what the odds are for these teams at betonline.ag. If you're into the NBA at all or if you're just into college football and Mike motivated you to start to place some bets on some of the lines that are up in college football this year or NBA or whatever, betonline.ag is the place. Promo codes podcast one. They give you a 50% five zero welcome bonus. You deposit 200, they'll give you an extra hundo, which is always nice. BetOnline.ag, college football, NFL, even if you're in the NBA this week, it is all there for you. That was awesome. Love getting the little background on Mike, having a better idea of why pro football focus is different in their evals. Uh, and I like that. I like different. You know, and I, they're trying, they're striving to have a better idea for the best way to go about it. I like it. Next week, we'll find out exactly, you know, who they're higher on or lower on than some of the other analysts out there, which is great. For right now, though, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for enjoying your frosty one while listening to the college draft. Chuck, 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 chuck. Make sure you're also subscribing to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, and Even Money Podcasts. All available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.